And now for something completely different. Forget everything you've been told by others before. Get ready for the real deal. The full story. Real talk about money, markets, life. Now, it's The Real Investment Show. Presented by RIA Advisors. And welcome back to Financial Fitness Friday. It's been a while. And Danny's wearing his old bowling shirt. (laughs) But we're happy to be back. Well, Danny is. Um... How was your holiday there, CFP number one? It was good. It was good. quick. Great. Yeah, it goes. Chasing kids. Lots of fun. Any any Christmas tree um, injuries? People knocking stuff down? No, not this year. You know, usually it was the little ones taking things. You know, it used to be we had the ornaments only on the top uh-huh. half because of kids. Now it's the dogs. We have a new dog who enjoys. Likes the bottom part yep, of the tree. Yep. Very much so. So he got over it. We're good. Okay. Only swallowed a couple. What? They all come out again. Evidently. Everything comes out in the wash. But, um, well, now we start the new year. And uh, as we've been saying since last year, and Lance has uh, been lamenting about, um, it's going to be volatile. The Fed means, I think they're really putting their foot down, Danny. They're mean in business. For now. Which means they're going to take away my candy, my wonderful candy that makes me think I'm a market maven. I know how to pick stocks. So this is going to be interesting as we go through this, maybe between an inflation and then eventually a deflationary environment. So I know we have been uh, sharing with clients and anybody we can that the expectations need to be reset for portfolio and market returns this year, uh, which I think is smart. Hey, your old, um, your old stomping grounds... J.P. Morgan Asset Management in their latest guide are showing that forward P.E. and subsequent five-year annualized returns are going to be maybe about five, six percent, right? Because based on where valuations are today, which makes me think that, wow, here's a big institution telling you that you're not going to make 10 percent plus a year. That's pretty big news. Well, I think we're hearing more and more of that is, you know, we're trying to set more reasonable expectations when you have some really good years, you have a lot of stimulus, you know, the liquidity we've been discussing all week long and all year long is, I don't know if it's coming to an end, but it's certainly slowing. Yes. And so that presents some different sets of issues that we haven't had to deal with in some time. So looking at money flows, stock buybacks, what happens here, where do rates go? How does that impact the, the consumer? And, you know, just the normal day-to-day activity, not to mention the inflation that we've seen in other areas, which albeit some may be, you know, waning a bit. We may not be seeing nearly as much in the future where we may get into that deflationary aspect. But let's face it, some of that is here to stay and it's not going to go anywhere. And much of this, as we go from pandemic to endemic, is unknown. Yeah. Reactions by the Fed, what kind of fiscal stimulus we're going to have. Uh, sector rotation, you're going to have to keep a level head and really understand your attitude for risk and how close you are to withdrawing the money you have in the market. This, I have people that are telling me that last year was just so volatile, and I look at them like, um, last year. I'm like, what? You think last year was volatile? The S&P had 70 all-time highs in 2021. The index finished at an all-time high more than one in four trading days. I said, 
Listen, if you think last year was volatile, you may need to reassess your risk attitude for stocks and other types of risk assets. It's go- I think it's just going to be a frustrating year. It doesn't mean a crash. It doesn't mean you're going to fall out of bed. It means that we're going to get whipsawed and rules will get us through it. I totally believe that the extract the emotions, look at the rules uh, is going to be um, very important. As an investor, you are going to be your own greatest enemy. One of the pitfalls we have is that we believe we are better at investing than we really are. And last year was the hallmark for overconfidence. And Danny, look at what's happening with Bitcoin. Bitcoin was going to be this alt asset, right? It wasn't going to eat off the Fed. Whatever the Fed did, no, you know, with liquidity, it didn't matter. And look what's going on with Bitcoin in the face of the Fed looking to increase rates and stop uh, quantitative uh, their easing process. Which yeah. is rather interesting considering the volatility. You know, everybody was saying, look, Bitcoin and crypto is the new gold where it's going to be the safe haven people will, sh- will run to. <laughs> yeah, but right. there's so much more volatility in it. I think people are beginning to realize that maybe, hey, this isn't the place we want to be in this environment. It's a trading vehicle. Let's put it this way. Yeah. Well, it all comes down to what it really is. What you're seeing now is the the the, re, the emperor's real clothing here, right? Yeah. You are seeing what Bitcoin is. It can't be a store of value. It's too volatile. It was supposed to be this alt. It's going to do best when the market isn't doing as well. And it's all proving to be false. Correct. Um, I'm not saying you shouldn't own it or you may, you may want to make sure you have rules around how much you own of it, but this savings grace of crypto being the answer to everything, you know, it's really coming to light that it really isn't. Well, I think we're seeing a lot of things with the volatility. You know, it's, it's interesting. We talk about the forecast that everybody comes out with in the new year and, you know, the big ones that I see are. We expect a 10% pullback. Well, guess what? Each and every year, we historically see a 10% pullback at some point in time. In fact, we were waiting for one last year. But yeah, we I only mean, how saw many 5%. Year or f- I mean, how many five, uh, 5% pullbacks does the market get usually in a year? It's yeah. multiple periods of 5%, a few periods of 10 We're uh, This whole new generation of investors, they're not used to that at well, all. Well, maybe they are, though. Maybe, maybe they are because of crypto. Maybe that well, people maybe say, they're hey, learning it now. Yeah. It, it, but what I'm seeing, though, is a lot of people, they look at the numbers still and they say, oh, man, the Dow was down 700 points. Well, 700 points 10, 15 years ago was a lot. Now it's almost inconsequential. It's, like it's a daily activity. It's like you're taking a breath. Yeah. It's like you're taking a breath. You just go into those Reddit boards and a black wreath comes up. <laughs> now everybody is like crying and. There's a lot of mourning going on. But today is a big day only because we do have non-farm payrolls coming out. Um, that'll be interesting to see, I think, what the focus is going to be. And again, numbers, and Michael talks about this a lot, get, have really been muddy through the pandemic trying to get really good data. So you got to take it for what it's worth. Um, they're expecting, I guess, we're, this is going to be the last non-farm payroll report for 2021 looking maybe at 400,000 plus new jobs um, in December. Uh, most important, I think, is to really to see what the labor force participation rate is going to be. I think that that's going to be uh, crucially uh, important. And also uh, average hourly earnings, they're expected to climb 0.4% or 4.2% 
year over year. What we're seeing is obviously um, two major factors that can affect the economy this year. One is all the heavy cash coffers that were built during the pandemic when the savings rate was close to 14%. We're now back to our normal dismal 6 to 7% rate. And um, we're also seeing obvious when obviously when you take into account inflation, real wage growth is negative. So we're going to have to see how consumer demand is going to be affected. Today, for the most part, markets are flat, I guess, waiting for numbers. But we got two words for this year. We said them last year, and I'm going to say them again. Buckle in. When we get back, we want to talk a little bit about the word, the, the F word. No, no, not that one. Fiduciary. What does it mean? And why am I tired of hearing it? We'll be right back. Daily investment news you can use. Delivered at the speed of the internet at realinvestmentadvice.com. Don't let 2022 be a repeat of the past year. Join Danny Ratliff and Richard Rosso for their essential smart money tips for the new year candid coffee event on Saturday, January 15th. You'll learn the landmines to avoid, tax advantages we see, and money tips you need to know in the new year. Register now for our next Candid Coffee at realinvestmentadvice.com. Candid Coffee with Ratliff and Rosso. Realinvestmentadvice.com. The Real Investment Show. I want to tell you, if there's any type of bodily function you do around here, if you sneeze or you cough, you look like you looked at uh, like you have the black plague. <laughs> Just normal stuff. <laughs> uh, ah! No, I didn't spill anything. No, so it's it's just interesting to see people's reaction to sneezes and spilt drinks on keyboards. Yeah, and yeah like when things go when you electrocute, uh, short circuit everything. Um, Brent almost came across that table. You did see that, right? I did. But I have a very handy-dandy closure kind of cup, so yeah. on purpose, because I've done this before where I've spilled coffee on everything. Hermetically sealed. And if I would have coughed, it would have scared Brent away, and the coffee would have just stayed where it is on the console. Um, I think they've upgraded the sprinkler system in these rooms now. So if you cough, oh. a, a sound sensor picks it up. And it floods the room with some kind of antibacterial powder. Lysol. You know what, Brent? You're wasting your time working here (laughs) because you have just come up with probably the greatest idea. Just saying. Sanitize shower or Santa shower. Santa shower. Santa shower. Every time you Mm -hmm. cough in an office, it comes down like sprinklers. Okay, make a note of that. That's our idea of the day. I feel like we need a whiteboard in here that we're going to have to just keep a running list. And if you guys steal it, remember where it came from. We're coming after you. That's right, yeah. Because we know people. <laughs> well, we know a person. Um, so we do have a candid coffee. We haven't talked about it much. I didn't hear a lot about it um, on the show so far. But we do have a very big 
Candid Coffee coming up on January 15th, don't we, Danny? We do. So kind of talk about all the things that are occurring, changes in the market, all the dynamics that are shifting, you know, answering those questions um, that everybody seems to have right now. You know, you're probably getting a lot of questions just as I am on, you know, where are markets going? What are expectations? And I think the big thing you just mentioned was buckle up and lots more volatility. And, and it may not be any more out of the norm volatility, it's just we have not been used to it in some time. And how do we take advantage of that? I think that, you know, if, if done properly, we can use this to our advantage. No, when it comes to volatility, sure. And what we want to try to help you do in this Candid Coffee is help you control the things you can. So we have a list of ideas for you. Savings and debt management. Now, some of you might find find it sort of rudimentary. You might be doing a lot of this stuff that we're going to talk about anyway. But I guarantee there's somebody you know who has no idea. Could be your children. Could be your grandchildren. Could be your neighbor. Have them sit in. Not only that, if you sign up for this Saturday, January 15th class, this is an hour-long Zoom webinar, um, you go to realinvestmentadvice.com to sign up. We want to get your questions. Remember, this is still what it was designed to be, across-the-table, practical financial advice that your household can use. I'll bring my magic eight ball with me to help you understand what we think the market's going to do this year. It's rarely wrong. Um, I asked it, by the way, do you think the Fed's going to hike Fed funds rate four times this year? And it said, yes, absolutely. So let's see if Mr. Magic eight ball is correct. All right. Well, we'll see what happens here. Well, you know what's likely going to happen is, they, you know, once they pull the punch bowl away, the market, if it has a... That's going to be the thing, right? When they first pull it away. A little away, bit of a hangover. They may say, hey, hold on. Let's bring a little bit back. What's interesting, though, is mortgage rates have edged up. Yeah. And I'm waiting to see, with housing affordability in the toilet, if we're now going to flush the bowl. Because we know everybody's used to living on low rates. The entire society is built on payments. Therefore... Another 50, 100 bucks a month, plus where prices are for homes, might make things a bit more onerous. So it's going to be interesting to see as we test these interest rate parameters to see how really how far we can go, especially with negative or real wage growth uh, being negative when you consider inflation and the cash coffers drained. It's, I, I'm just interested to see how this how this is going to work in the housing market this year. Well, not only that, I'm interested to see what happens, you know, take a step further, retail sales, what happens with that, with child tax credit going away. Yes, Um, right. I think that's a lot bigger issue than many people are are looking at, right? I think it's being overlooked quite a bit. And as Lance talked about, and you all talked about, and it's true, as soon as these, these programs come in, companies raise prices. You will see child care costs go up exponentially if government money's out there. There's a great analysis by economist Casey Mulligan who actually did the numbers for this and showed what it would really look like, the strife, actually, this tax credit would cause overall because of increases in prices uh, for child care. So be careful asking for free money. You pay for it dearly. Um, overall. So with the word fiduciary, you know, we're proud to do this. We're proud to be fiduciaries where we have to always make decisions. 
in your best interest. This one person on the radio that calls it a fiduciary. <laughs> I think that's pretty funny. Fiduciary. Um, however way you pronounce it, there's a lot of good intent around the word. Because in a lot of ways, it is a calling. Because you could just go work for a brokerage firm forever and sell and be fine. And you're making appropriate um, recommendations, but it may not be the highest and the best recommendation. I guess, Danny, what I'm tired of, hey, listen, we do it too. I don't think we do it as much as others because I think it's just part of who we are. But it's really tough when you start to advertise the fact that you're a fiduciary and this is such a major, major selling point. Um, when you got to really look into the heart and the ethics of the people you're working with, and you only know that through time. So don't you think sometimes it's getting a little bit overworked as a sales or marketing component when it's really just, a, to me, it's just a calling um, and something we should be doing? Yeah, no, I, I agree. I think that, you know, a lot of people are misusing it or overusing it in general. You know, we see, you know, I think there's a, a couple major factors that go into play here. And there's sometimes that somebody says, look, I'm going to act as a fiduciary on this side of the table, but then I'll go over here and we don't have to act as a, a fiduciary. And there can be times that I think. Oh, that, you mean the hat? Yeah, different correct. Hat? Ah. And, and, and I do believe that there are times that it can be in the best interest of the client to act, to go on the other side of the table, Right. There are times when, you know, purchasing certain instruments, buying certain things that that can be necessary. And so I don't want to explain, but let me ask you a question. Yeah. So I I I take off my white hat. I put on my black hat. Right. I'm like Taylor Sheridan in Yellowstone. I'm wearing different hats. Um, Can't I still be a fiduciary in offering a product? I, I think you can absolutely. That's that was going to be my point. Well, is go that ahead. You can still act as a fiduciary on both sides of the table. If you truly have the heart of a fiduciary. If it's inside you. Correct. Right. So there's a, there is a line within the industry that says, hey, if you're going to act in this manner, you're a broker. Or if you're going to act in this manner, you are a true advisor. There's a big, there's like this big wall, right? Correct. That you have to climb over. That's right. On the brokerage side. Like if I want to be fiduciary, there's got to be this wall between broker and fiduciary. Where I think a fiduciary, if your firm has a fiduciary intent, and that's how you drive your business, every decision you make for the client, even if it's for a product that is being that that is maybe life insurance or long term care or whatever it is, you still have to have a fiduciary intent as opposed to just plainly selling the product. It's much more than know your client. Correct. On the fiduciary side, right? Because we don't even recommend any type of insurance unless we do a plan. Because we don't know how much to, frankly, we don't first know if you need to mitigate certain risks. Some people don't need long-term care insurance. I know it's crazy. But there are certain conditions where they can self-insure. And we have to go through the hierarchy to see if it's needed and we know it's expensive. How do we get it down to the lowest cost possible for you? to maintain coverage. That's right. And so being even people who are fiduciaries, depending on what their product set is, what their limitations may be, mm -hmm. they may not be doing that duty of care or duty of loyalty. And those are the two main premises behind a fiduciary. I love that. Bring those up again. So we'll do what duty of care is going to uh -huh. be that you're competent, that you, you're very, um, you know, the ins and outs of each of what's out there. 
mm-hmm. and and what you can offer and what's best suited for each and each individual client, right? And the problem with this one, I believe, is that a lot of companies can claim to be fiduciary, but they have a very limited scope. It, you know, I, you and I talked earlier, and we call it selective guidance. Where yeah. A lot of major firms will whittle down exactly what you can and can't offer. So are you truly a fiduciary if you only have three offerings and two of them happen to be the, the company you work for? Their product. Correct. Their proprietary product. Right. Right. That's a very good point. I don't know if you got it in the mail, but we're certified financial planners. We know we tell you all that. But there is a set of standards and guidelines, and the CFP board every year raises the bar on this. I just got another booklet talking about raising the bar on the ethical standard again, which I'm very, very happy to see. So we not only have the Investment Act of 1940 and the fact that we are fiduciaries, we have to put another wrapper around this to maintain our financial planning designation, which I think is great. I just don't know how financial planners work at brokerage firms anymore with all these ethical and do best for the client first. Well, that duty of loyalty, unfortunately, is difficult for many people to to truly attain because let's face it, most companies, the duty of loyalty has to lie with the company, not the client. And and look, these are things, I mean, we could could dive into this and spend the whole show on. There are people on both sides that are very good. Yeah. But you got to remember, ask your advisor a good question. What does fiduciary mean to you and how would it affect me? See if you like the answer. You never know. I think it's basic, right? I mean, the simple thing is, you know, we've talked about this, you know, building a business, doing the things that we do and being on both sides that you want to put put somebody else's interest first. Do the right thing each and every day. Do it every time. All the time. And you know what? If you do that, you never have to look back. You do the right thing, and it, it makes life a heck of a lot easier. What do they say? Karma is a hmm. We get back, we're going to talk about some good or some of the best money ideas for 2022. We'll be right back. investment advice blog it's required reading for the informed investor catch it today at realinvestmentadvice.com don't let 2022 be a repeat of the past year join danny ratliff and richard rosso for their essential smart money tips for the new year candid coffee event on saturday january 15th you'll learn the landmines to avoid tax advantages we see and money tips you need to know in the new year. Register now for our next Candid Coffee at realinvestmentadvice.com. Candid Coffee with Ratliff and Rosso, realinvestmentadvice.com. You're listening to The Real Investment Show. are back. Lyle Lovett, never eat Mexican food east of the Mississippi or north of Dallas. Heck, I don't eat Mexican food anywhere. That makes but pretty good sense, though. Brent looked at me like, you're going to die. I'm going to kill you. Um, and he's going to Chewy's he, he's, for lunch. <laughs> Do you know up where I live in Klein and his family still owns some property up there, I think? Yeah. Whole family's up there. Yeah. It's a still, right? Yes. Yeah. Interesting. I love, I love Lyle, love it. Sorry, Lyle. <clears throat> Not big on the Mexican food. Um, 
So don't hurt me. Don't hurt me, everybody. I'm sorry. I think it's because it is so addictive and so fattening is why I try to, I got to stay away from it. It's like a drug. <laughs> and, and Brent's going, I like that queso, queso drug, <laughs> queso. I have a friend of mine that calls it queso. I'm like, what's that? What's a queso? Is that something you like you go hunting and take down a queso? <laughs> Danny's like, I'm out of this conversation about queso. Um, we are big believers in Roth. Obviously, everybody else is. And of course, it's a, it's a big, um, it's got a big target on it, thanks to Peter Thiel. Somehow, that, that, that Roth was morphed into some enemy of working class Americans. Um, you know, what he, let me tell you, the average Roth has $5 billion in yeah, it. Yeah, of course it does. So, you know, he op- this guy, you know, he's the founder of PayPal. He opens a Roth in 1999 with about $2,000, and he purchases 1.7 million shares of PayPal. So that became $5 billion. Now, this transaction was completely legal. But Roth is bad because an individual who took the risk to create a business and thousands of jobs enjoys massive tax-free growth in Roth. So Roth, bad. But we still think Roth good. So this is your time this year to switch from the tax-deferred lane of traditional IRAs and 401ks to the tax-favored Roth, either IRA or 401k. Now, many of the calculators that are used online to show whether even Roth conversions work uh, or Roth in general is based on many factors. Those factors do not include taxation on Social Security. And I talked to someone yesterday, Danny, who's got all their money in IRAs and they need money, right? They need money for certain purchases that we can't, we can't get away from. And I brought it to their and they're taking Social Security. I said, well, keep in mind, your Social Security is going to be reduced because of something called IRMA on your Medicare premium. And they're going, what's that? That's a tax. If my Medicare premiums are going up because I take money from my IRA, I therefore am getting taxed more money. Where if I had a Roth or brokerage account, for this individual, we would have we had a, we would have a much better conversation about how to craft taking this money that they need. So, greater control. If you maintain a pre-tax and after-tax and tax-free accounts, that creates greater lifetime tax control, and that's so imperative, right, Danny? Through this retirement income distribution phase, so we teach that diversification of accounts as much as diversification of assets. I think that's so crucial this day and age where we were taught for so long to only put funds into the traditional 401k, put everything in pre-tax. It's not going to impact your paycheck. And while it's a great enticement to get people going and saving, you know, we talked about leakage, looked at leakage numbers last week. And where were they? They were pretty it's shocking. It's gone up to 31%. So, that, so, so explain what that is. So this is people taking money out of the 401k prior to 59 and a half. They're either taking a penalty, taking a loan, and not paying the loan back, they leave work, things change, 
And because they have no flexibility, right? Correct. Yeah, and so, you know, there's there's good and bad. People are making arguments saying, well, this is actually a good thing because people are more incentivized to put money into the 401k because they can use this as a savings account. I think, no, oh my gosh. No, this is not how we want to do this. We want This needs to be something we never, ever touch. Look, there's got to be a big ideally, wall around it, right? There's, there has to be. So ideally, you want to put these funds in. You want to build that savings account. You want to build that financial vulnerability cushion. And you want to make sure you are at least contributing to get the match out of the 401k. And once you're getting the match, then you, you maybe go somewhere else until you have built these other facets up. And then you can start going back to the 401k to, to make those contributions. But, you know, going back to the, the conversation yeah. about Irma and about different charges and, you know, taxes or surcharges that people see, we see it often where, you know, people have done a really good job saving. Yes. They didn't dip into it. And now they're stuck because they want to live a certain lifestyle. They want to spend a certain amount of money and they have the funds to do so. However, it's penalizing them because they only have it in this one bucket. It's like living on a farm and having just one animal to provide all your sustenance. Yeah. It, it doesn't make sense when you should have different accounts to draw from based on the needs that you have and also crafted in a way that manages your tax brackets in retirement effectively because quite frankly most of us will not fall into the lowest tax bracket in retirement if I consider taxation on Social Security it's just not going to happen it was a great story in the 90s it is no longer the way yes Will some people drop to the lowest tax bracket? Sure. But I would say for me, Danny, I don't know about you, it's probably one out of every 25, 50 people, if that. I mean, most people are not going to. Yeah, we don't see that often. And I had the same conversation this week with somebody making distributions, took out more than they anticipated within the plan, and had to have that conversation. Hey, here comes you know Medicare. You know, what, what is this? What's going on? Uh -huh. I mean, these are things that happen often. And so, and you know how you know how shocking it is. If you're taking Social Security and your Medicare premium comes out, then people are getting smaller Social Security checks. Going, what 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 happened right. to my Social Security check? It's way off. Well, here's why: you took a distribution, it pushed you up into the second tier of Irma. So not only did you have your Medicare Part B and D premium, but or B premium especially, yeah. uh, that, that comes out of that check, not your D. Uh, now we're going to tack on this additional cost. And that, they look back two years. So eventually that armor will go away if our distributions change. Um, so, you know, um, so House Democrats passed a $2 trillion package that included future limitations on Roth conversions. So single taxpayers earning more than 400000 and married couples earning more than 450000 would be prevented from Roth conversions in 2032. Um, again, this is, this is dead in the water right now. I don't know what's so magical about 10 years from now. They're trying right? to phase it out, give people some flexibility here. I, and, I, and, you know, what's interesting is that the government needs money. Right. You think we always call so, Roth, what do you call it? J.G. Wentworth, right? Yeah. I want my money now. Correct. So if I do a Roth conversion and take money out of my IRA, the government's getting their money up front. Yeah, they want to raise taxes. Well, this is the easiest way for them to do so. Let, hey, go ahead. Everybody hey, put funds into the listen, Roth. Listen, we're encouraging you to convert Roth. Yeah. Right? 
So we're also, they're looking to place a halt on mega backdoor Roth conversions and backdoor Roth conversions. Uh, that was supposed to begin in January, but of course didn't go anywhere. You know, it's so counterintuitive to what they typically do. Think about this. When does the government ever look forward? Never. They're never really forward-looking. I mean, look at Social Security. Never. We're still kick the can down the road. Every year, we're like, please fix this. This is an easy fix. And here we are again yet in 2022 talking about the exact same thing. And we'll probably talk about it next year and the year thereafter. And eventually, they'll have to do something about it when it's, oh, man, it's right in front of us. We well, it's change. like it's a you know it's like driving and looking through the windshield, right? As soon as it passes. So once all this commotion around Roth dies down, then this stuff will dissipate. It was a target because of, thank you, Peter Thiel. <laughs> so keep in mind that you have, you can, if you're going to make actual Roth IRA contributions, there are limits based on income. So if you're a single filer, you'll completely phase out if your earnings exceed 144000 married 214000 I mean, these are still lofty um, phase out levels. So you can contribute up to six thousand uh, in a Roth and a thousand if uh, catch up for if you're fifty and older. Um, but I really like Roth four hundred one k. And people always have a problem, Danny. I think understanding, like, wait a minute, I have a four hundred one k, but I can't contribute to a Roth. But the Roth four hundred one k is the, it's the cousin of the, your traditional, well, right? it, of it, your traditional four hundred one k. The beautiful thing about this and the biggest misconception is that. How frequently do you hear, I make too much money to put funds into the Roth All the time. No matter it's what. like, yeah. oh my gosh, you have this at your access at your fingertips. <laughs> Literally, all you have to do is go click a button and you can do this. And there's no income limitations with that Roth 401k. So if you have that, use it to your advantage. Because, yes. you know, look, we don't know exactly what's going to happen in the future from a, a tax perspective, but we also have a pretty good idea. And we do know that you do need to retain some flexibility. And many people, the, the majority of their savings is in that 401k that has some type of liquidity to it outside right. of a home. Right. So I think this is an area that start hedging your bets. You know, if you're not if you're not sold on it, go half into the four, the Roth 401k, half into the traditional. And I think you're going to be much better off for it than not doing anything at all. We want to share some more commentary about this and then move on to another really good idea, financial idea for 2022 when we return here on Financial Fitness Friday. The Triple F. We'll be right back. news you can use delivered at the speed of the internet at realinvestmentadvice.com don't let 2022 be a repeat of the past year join danny ratliff and richard rosso for their essential smart money tips for the new year candid coffee event on saturday january 15th you'll learn the landmines to avoid tax advantages we see and money tips you need to know in the new year Register now for our next Candid Coffee at realinvestmentadvice.com. Candid Coffee with Ratliff and Rosso. Realinvestmentadvice.com. The Real Investment Show.
Man, I can go for some queso right now. Queso on egg rolls or pizza and queso or just hungry right now. <laughs> you are like, I can't out eat of it. all the things. I mean, you could have thought you could have said breakfast burrito, <laughs> a taco. I mean, there are so Cheese many things any you could time have said. of day is not a bad thing. No, yeah, it's it's very addicting. Overall, it's as addicting as a Roth. Um, so my daughter is now auto auto contributing monthly to her Roth, even though she doesn't really get why she's doing that because everybody's telling her to go pre-tax. And I'm like, no, you listen to me, you do Roth. So she was doing $250 a month and she says, dad, you know, I'm just, I want to put more money in my savings account and all that. Can I knock it down to a hundred? I'm like, all right, but I'm going to track how many months you're doing that because we're going back to 250 and I'm just going to change it on you because you have the money. You're just going to wait till December and you're going to say, oh, by the way, savings account went down a little bit, honey. I'm sorry. <laughs> Roth, you, you fully maxed out. Good job. Yeah, good job. Good job. So I'm a big fan of Roth. And um, something that Danny said before we, we took the break, um, you want to have this flexibility. And retirement comes faster than you think. And I would rather be, and I, listen, no one wants to pay taxes because we know where the money goes. But I would rather pay taxes while I'm a human capital earning machine versus sitting alone with my dogs watching like Bullwinkle on television. And I want as much income coming in as possible. Um, and if I could have a tax-free option that doesn't get my social security taxed and prevents me from hitting Irma, then I'm all for it. But we're all about this save taxes now mentality. But if you're five to seven years from retirement, it's time to shut off the traditional 401k switch and turn on the Roth 401k switch. You don't have to go out and convert money yet, but you sure can start building that diversification of accounts, right, Danny? Yeah, and yeah, it's going to increase your taxes a little bit. Listen, but you can pay them. Think about the tax-free growth that you're going to get and having an alternate bucket. Say you're in retirement. And uh, like this happened with this other gentleman the other day, needs $100,000. I mean, he has to take it. And I'm like, well, we have no other choice, but this is what it's going to do when you take it out of your IRA, right? It, you don't have choices. And he's upset about doing it this way, but there's no other way. Well, I think you have to be Unless mindful Unless he gets out about a loan, it. takes a loan. Yeah. Right? We talked about him going to take a personal loan and we pay it over time. But look at all the things we have to do. Versus if I would have had a diversification of accounts because he was with his other broker that didn't do any of that, then we would have been better off to do it. And I told him, now you're going to take 100, you're going to take more. Why? I have room in the tax bracket. And now that I have room in the tax bracket, I'm going to get hit this year anyway. I'm going to take some money and I'm going to convert it to Roth. And he goes, Rich, I totally agree. I totally agree. So, and you said it, Danny, most workers do not even know they have a Roth 401k because it doesn't really get talked about. But then they talk to their, their HR department and they go, I have a Roth 401k? I didn't even know it. Yeah. And I, and I think this is something that, it, look, if, if you don't know or don't understand, if you do have that, go look. You could typically go look and change contributions, and it's usually right there when you go make that change. And I, I get it. You want to keep more money and put more money in, but guess what? you're going to take money out and pay taxes on it. So you either pay it now or pay it later. And I'm okay with paying it now while we have this lower tax bracket and a, and a more advantageous tax code than something that we don't, we're not quite sure what it's going to be down the road. So 
I think that take your lumps, go ahead and put it in. Like you mentioned, though, we want to look at tax brackets here. Like, how much money do you make? Uh, what is that going to look like, big picture? Let's try to, you know, if it's going to put you from 24 to 32, all right, let's maybe be careful in, in that aspect, right? There yes, needs to right. be some, uh, you know, some thought to this. But I think overall, you will be, you'll be happy you've done so. Um, you're going to be able to use this to your advantage later in life. You're going to have a lot more flexibility, and it's never too late to do it. It's like you mentioned, if you're five, seven years, don't think that, you know, we hear all the time, oh, I don't need a financial planner. Oh, I don't need to worry about this. I would make the argument that you really do need to worry about it, and it's never too early to start a plan because you're going to set yourself up for a lot more success if you can start to control these things that are beyond your control, like taxes, now. Absolutely. Now, most traditional, say, Roth conversion um, calculators, they're going to say you're too old to do it because you're not going to break even after taxes. But they are not considering taxation on Social Security. They're not considering IRMA charges. They're not considering retirement income, crafting it in a way that manages your tax bracket evenly through retirement. They're just not. So I have clients, and I'm sure you do too, Danny, that even when they take their required minimum distributions, there's room in the bracket. We're going to convert. We're going to take more than the required minimum, and we're going to convert some of it. Mm -hmm. Right? Yep. I have a client. I'm so proud of him the other day. We did a qualified charitable distribution right, for his RMD. Perfect. But we had a lot of room in the bracket. He converted it all. And I will say, I think for our clients, this was a record year of Roth conversions. I think that that, that voice is resonating that we know taxes are going higher, whether they're you know, straight in your face, which is changes to federal income tax brackets, or what I call the back pocket taxes of higher taxes on your Social Security or wedging in more Irma on your Medicare charges, right? What's a Medicare Part B premiums up what this year? 14% over last yeah, year? Yeah, went from one, what, 148 to 170. 170? Yeah, that's, mm-hmm. a, that's a pretty substantial jump. Sure and, is. You know, if they, you don't think what? that's a tax. Yeah, the rest <laughs> of them went up as well. And right. so those are things that you can't control, and it's just going to be beyond what we can do. But things you can now, I think you need to do and take advantage of. So, you know, looking at these things, and not only that, but people are getting more uh, astute with the Roth conversion. We're also seeing a little bit, you know, where we're seeing more donor-advised funds. Yes. I think this has been a big push. Uh, we've been able to bundle. So, so how does that a, work? What are those donor-advised funds? How do they work? So donor-advised funds, they're actually really neat. So you can actually put these funds aside. And what we've been encouraging somebody, especially if they've had a really good year, a, a lot of income in one particular year, um, that they've been able to go ahead and actually shelter some of that by utilizing a donor-advised fund. So it allows you to put it into a fund at uh, a certain institution. Yeah, so Fidelity, you know, like has, Fidelity has one. It's really easy to set these up. If you have big gains, too, like you have to bunch up because you have to itemize. Yeah. So you may have a year, like they can, like last year, we, we, we also had a lot of clients that I know that did mo- move money into their charitable uh, foundation Correct. At the, because of why. They had huge gains. And they're like, you know, next year's probably not going to be as good, but I don't want to pay taxes on this money. I'm going to go ahead and move it into the charitable fund. Correct. Now, once, once I move a low um, basis asset, something that's done very well into that, 
right? I get a deduction for the time of the move. Then that, that position gets liquidated and then it gets allocated. You can allocate it among a lot of different funds. Have the money available. It doesn't mean you have to donate to your charity in the year you make the move. So you can time it. We see so this a it's lot. A smart with, move if you have a charitable intent. Correct. And we see this a lot with somebody who has a, a large gain on an individual stock or right. a company they worked for. Right. A lot of times, especially if we utilize like NUA, there could be some stock that we can take advantage of, something with a very low cost basis that's run up quite a bit. And you don't want to take take that and liquidate it, pay taxes, and then donate it to charity. So instead, you make that donation, you put it into this account, and then over several years or many years, you start to to put those funds to, to work where you want them. So you actually are able to choose which charity could be your church, could be the American Heart uh, Society, could be a number of different things that you give these funds away at different times, but you get that tax break all at once, which is really nice. It's called bundling. Right. You bundle it, you're going to have to. Yep. Depending on you know where the standard deduction is versus uh, itemizing. But for, for big gains in the market, and avoiding the taxes on them, and again, having that charitable intent, because you do want to have that, obviously, otherwise it's not going to work for you. Um, I have a client that whatever money we've been moving over the last five years, he's finally getting around to making the disbursements that's nice. to the right charities. Um, so that's what I love about it. And, and it's so easy to administer. It's not like having a foundation. It, the costs are lower. Um, no, we don't get paid for recommending charitable advised donor advised funds, but you know, I'm, I'm sure Ameritrade has them. Schwab has them. Fidelity has them. Any big, I don't even know if, I don't know if Vanguard has them, Most but every large financial, financial institutions have them with a selection of funds that you can allocate, um, accordingly. So that, that those are really great. Um, to use. Lots of good things out there for you to take advantage of. Also, keep in mind, you want to make your emergency cash work harder. Now, uh, we, are, we know short-term rates are going to go higher this year. So the CME FedWatch tool shows a 94.6% probability that the Fed funds rate will be 50 uh, basis points higher in December of this year, right? So depositors at banks generally see rate increases for money markets, savings accounts, CDs soon after the Fed moves. But is that always the case? Because what I've noticed, Danny, when the Fed does make moves, brick and mortar banks, they used to, would like raise your interest rate on savings accounts. Not so anymore. No more. Well, they they're going to no get burned for that. Well, I don't, they don't have to. They're sitting on so much cash already. So keep in mind, Look at FDIC-insured virtual banks, Marcus, Ally, Synchrony. When the Fed moves, I will tell you, just from my own experience with these banks, they move quickly to increase rates. So if you got emergency cash, 6 to 12 months sitting around in, in your brick-and-mortar bank, best one of the best ideas I have for 2022 is make your cash work as hard as possible for you. Online. <laughs> well, that's it for the show today. Uh, we'll be back next week. Lance on Monday. Uh, we'll have some more tips for you. And again, January 15th, Candid Coffee, Smart Money Tips for 2022. Sign up at realinvestmentadvice.com. Hope you all have a great weekend, everybody. Thanks for sticking with us. If I had a little money, it's a rich man's
into his bad world.